If you got out your phone and opened up Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever uh, map application that you use and you put directions to heaven in there as your destination, um, probably nothing would come up because heaven's not just hard to get to from Birmingham. It's kind of hard to get to from any city. But if you put hamburger heaven in, <laughs> and I predict that hamburger heaven's business is going to go up this week because right now you're thinking, Sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> Sounds pretty good. If you put hamburger heaven in, probably something is going to happen on your phone that would happen on mine. There's going to give you several options as to how to get there, right? You know how you put directions in with your phone and there's all kind of options to get there? So if that doesn't make sense, I wanted to show you exactly what that would look like. Uh, and I've got uh, the brand new iPhone 16 Now, do you remember when uh, we, we created these? You remember when computers, like in the 70s, if you're, if you're young, if you're a student, in the 70s, computers like took up a whole room, and then we kept working to get computers smaller and get them in our pocket, and now we're just, the phones are getting bigger. What are we doing, right? Uh, yeah, so this is the new iPhone 16. You, it's life-size. Um, but if you put the directions in, say, to Hamburger Heaven or anywhere there's going to come some options up. Usually the one that's blue or the one that's, that's highlighted the most is the fastest route. Right? It's going to get you there the quickest. And then there's going to be a route that is maybe the shortest, but the shortest isn't always the fastest because sometimes the shortest uh, is a different speed limit or you, you hit a lot of red lights. So it's not exactly the quickest, but it's the shortest. And then there are oftentimes there are ways that you can take the scenic route. You can say, I want to avoid uh, interstates. I want to avoid uh, uh, you know, a certain section of town that, that's got a lot of traffic or whatever it is. You can take the scenic route. It's going to take you longer. It, it actually is longer, but you're going to avoid some of those problem areas that you just always hate driving through those areas. But whether you sit in traffic, whether you have to go through a lot of red lights, whether you're going 55 or 35, whether you go the scenic route or the city route, you're going to end up in the same destination. They're all just different roads to the same destination. And a lot of people think this is how religion works. A lot of people think that religions are just kind of all the same and they've kind of got the same starting point and they kind of have the same ending point and the path to get there look different for you. It might be highlighted because of where you grew up or the country you were born into or the family you were born into. But come on, basically, they're kind of just different roads. In fact, here's the question that we sometimes ask and maybe you have thought it. Maybe you came today and you think it. And you would just say, aren't all religions just different roads to the same destination? I mean, aren't they just basically all trying to teach you kind of how to get to the good side of eternity? As long as you follow the principles, as long as you follow the rules, uh, you'll be fine. It, really, any religion, if you just kind of do what they say, because they're all trying to explain something that's frankly unexplainable. The afterlife. It's mysterious. And so we're trying to put human understanding on something that has great mystery of where we go, how we get there to the afterlife. And they even have different names. Nirvana. Paradise. Moksha. 
or some kind of transcendent reality. You might have heard of some of those. Some of those you might even be completely and totally unfamiliar with. But the thinking is that if we just treat people right, we act right, we do right, it'll all work out in the end. And what I hope today is that by the end of our time, you will not only understand that the answer to the question is no, I hope you'll understand why it's not even a great question. Because Christianity is taking an entirely different road to an entirely different destination. This series is based on questions. This is a smaller question to a much broader question about religions. Kind of, aren't they all the same? I mean, aren't they basically all the same? And it's a question that we've just invited anyone who has a skeptical mind into, and maybe perhaps that's you. You've been a bit of a skeptic your life. We want to be a place that we say is a safe place for dangerous questions. This is a dangerous question because this challenges the exclusive claims that some of us grew up with in Christianity. In fact, it, it just makes us comfortable even thinking about it, even engaging it a little bit. So, but we want to ask dangerous questions. So I, what I hope to, if you're here today, if you're a skeptic, we're so glad you're here. I, I hope this will dig in some for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I, I don't want you to just be able to answer the question and say, well, no, I, I want you to understand why. Last week, I said kind of a theme verse for this series. So if you're new here, uh, to kind of get you into this, there's a theme verse for this series where the Apostle Peter says that, that we should be able to give an answer to everyone who asks to the reason for the hope that we have. So we don't want to just be able to answer, well, no, that's not it, because we want to be able to give a reason, an answer to the reason for the hope we have. And can I just tell you, this is why this is so important. It is unacceptable for thinking Christians to answer this question, no, and say why the Bible says so. Can I, let me just tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, like me, if you're a Christian, this answer frustrates non-Christians. This answer frustrates them. It frustrates non-believers because it is like end of discussion for you, and they want to discuss. So I don't want us to be able to answer a question just to say the Bible says so. I want, to, I want you to know what the Bible says, where it says it, and what exactly the Bible says about this one of our marks of a follower of Jesus we say is to engage scripture so today in this series that's what I hope we're going to do we're going to engage scripture so that we can know why it says what it says we're going to look at a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a church in a community called Philippi we call the letter Philippians named after them in which he makes some some clear distinctions about his newfound faith now, most religions start out with at least a similar, similar vehicle, and that is humans. I mean, right, that's what religions are trying to do. They are trying to figure out how to get humans, how to get humans from point A to point B. How to get humans in connection with God. How to get the finite in connection to the infinite, how to get flesh and bone, us, in relationship, in connection, in eternity with the eternal. 
So that's kind of, they, almost our religions start with, hey, this problem of humans, how are we trying to get humans to understand and to know God? And they pretty much all share a similar pathway, and that is they're trying to get humans to be good. They're trying to get humans to be good. And that's kind of the point, to be moral, to be just, to do right, to act right, to behave right, because if you are good, then you can spend eternity with a good God. And I mean, the kind of the thinking is this, if, you, if we are good, then you will be on the good side of eternity. If you are bad, you'll be on the bad side of eternity. In fact, most religions actually up the ante on this word good. And here's what they would say, they're trying to get humans to be righteous. Whoa, righteous. That's a, that's a little bit of a different. Hindus, Hindus have an understanding of this called, a concept called dharma. Confucianism has something called yi, which is the ability to apply virtue into all situations appropriately so that you would be virtuous and righteous. The Quran in Islam talks a great deal about righteousness, and it says a life of righteousness is the only way to get to heaven. And on this point, so many religions agree, including Christianity. Righteousness is required for eternal reward. On this point, almost every religion kind of agrees on this, that righteousness is required for eternal reward. Now, we're going to talk about what that looks like, what the reward is, how you get there, but almost all of them have this idea that you have to be righteous in order to get this eternal reward. You've got to live righteously, act righteously, but the question every religion then asks and that you're asking and that I'm thinking is like, well, righteous compared to what? Who is righteous enough? Is, is the righteousness, is it a standard in an ancient document? And which ancient document? Ours, theirs, his, hers? Is the righteousness something that a person says? Is the righteousness a person itself? Who gets to decide what righteous looks like? I mean, come on, we, here's the question that we're asking. How good is good enough? How good is good enough? Or... How righteous is righteous enough? And I, listen, you probably started feeling the tension in that question, in that idea, the moment I replaced good with righteous. Because if I were to ask you this question, you a good person, you a good person, I mean, come on. You know some bad people, right? Are you a good person? You're like, I mean, I recycle. <laughs> Changed all my bulbs to LED. Haven't used profanity since. Today, I haven't used profanity today. <laughs> it's really not fair to ask that after a football Saturday, right? <clears throat> You're a good, I mean, most of us say like, yeah, I'm, I'm a good person. You turn on the news and you can see some bad people. I'm not one of them. But if I asked the question different way and said, are you a righteous person? Well, 
Carter, I, <laughs> that's a bit much, right? That's saying a lot. Because the problem is, I mean, none of us feel righteous enough. How many of you feel like your prayer life is righteous enough? I don't know a single person who feels like they're praying enough. How many of you feel like your, your Bible study is righteous enough? I, I don't know a single person who says, oh, I'm reading God's word enough. None of us feel righteous enough. We might say we're good, but none of us feel exactly righteous enough. And so that's the problem is like how do I know what is righteous enough? How do I compare to others? How do we know which of these paths is the right righteous path? How do we know which of these religions, if they're all talking about a form of righteousness, if they're all claiming that you can be righteous if you follow their rules, if you live life to a T according to their book, their ancient document, then how in the world can I know which version is the right righteous version? That's the question that we have to know the answer to, the question that we struggle with, because I want the eternal reward. I want to go to heaven. I want to know that I'm on the right side of eternity, and Paul speaks about this from a very Jewish perspective, and he is speaking mostly to Jewish Christians in this church in Philippians, but you feel like he could be talking about just about any other religion because the challenge that he has with these Jewish Christians is that they are continuing to put this kind of religious pursuit of righteousness perspective onto their Christianity where their Christianity, their Christian, this newfound uh, relationship they have with God is still focusing on their good deeds, on them following the rules. Their definition of righteousness isn't quite right. So we're going to look in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, kind of the last half of verse 4. Philippians 3, 4, and if you've got your Bibles here and you want to open them up or you're at home and you've got your Bibles or your Bible app, open there. It's going to be in Philippians 3. And if you don't have a hard copy Bible and you're in the room, please take one at the, the bookshelves on the way out. Listen to what, how Paul opens this up. This is bold, the way he begins talking. If someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I mean, can we just... This is pretty arrogant, right? If someone thinks they have been good, if someone is confident in their ability to measure up to rightness, righteousness, goodness, I want to tell you something. I have more confidence than they do. I've got more confidence. And let me tell you why. This is how it goes on. Remember, very Jewish crowd and a very Jewish answer. Circumcised on the eighth day, his parents set him on, on the path right from the beginning. This was according to Jewish law. You weren't supposed to have the baby circumcised on the seventh day or the ninth day. It wasn't quite right, but the eighth day was the righteous, the right day. Of the people of Israel, meaning I've got God's people's blood running through my veins, the chosen people, of the tribe of Benjamin, the very of the 12 tribes of, of Israel, that's the one you want to be a part of. A Hebrew of Hebrews, the best of the best. If Listen, 
If the Hebrews are God's people, I'm God's person of God's people. What he's saying. In regard to the law, in other words, in regard to all the 613 laws, all the Ten Commandments, a Pharisee, which was a teacher of the law. In regard to the law, I could spout them off to you, all 613 of them, Paul says. I could teach them to anybody. As for zeal, you think you're zealous? You think you were zealous? I was so zealous that I was persecuting the church. I was so jealous that before I met Jesus, I was trying to snuff out this Jesus movement. Not because I thought they were bad people, because I was doing it for my zeal for the Lord. And then this is the biggie. As for righteousness based on the law, as for righteousness based on my ability to follow God's rules on the path that God has set before me in the Hebrew Scriptures to get to righteousness. This is crazy bold. What does he say? Faultless. I mean, I just want to ask you a question. This kind of lets you in kind of Paul's heart. He's something. Because, I mean, have you ever looked in the mirror at night and said, you son of a gun, you're faultless today. <laughs> I mean, never. Right, like I'm looking like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have snapped off to my kids. I was a little short with somebody at work and, uh, you know, just a little unfocused. And, I mean, right, I mean, even on your best days, you kind of have some moments that you wish you could do over. But Paul says, faultless. Absolutely faultless. Now, it's important to know here that Paul grew up in a different religion than Christianity. He grew up in Judaism. And perhaps you know Jews, you've been Jewish, you have Jewish friends, Jewish family. So the religion that he grew up as a part of in Judaism would have been, there would be, there would be some similarities to modern day Jews. The, the festivals, the holidays, the, the fasting, the Hebrew scriptures, all of those things would have been a part of his life. But just as important, this is unlike the way we understand this today. Paul would not have seen, he would not have seen his new relationship with Jesus as, uh, as converting to another religion. He would not have described his relationship with Jesus to saying, I converted from Judaism to Christianity. That's just not the way he would have described it. He would have seen Jesus as the fulfillment of this faith that he had believed his whole entire life, as the Messiah of God's people. But he would have said this, Jesus opened my eyes. And if you know the story of Paul's um, radical experience where he finally meets Jesus, his eyes are physically opened he would have said, Jesus opened my eyes to see things in a way that I did not see them. It mainly, he began to see the, the faulty reality of this idea of humans and righteousness. This idea that he had kind of been trying to do where there was humans trying to be righteous. He had tried to be righteous. And Jesus opened his eyes that there was something that even his faultless, and I'm going to go on a hunch and say, I mean, he wasn't sinless, but he was saying according to the Jewish religion, 
and it just didn't measure up. He's basically saying, I did all that I could do. I was as good as it gets, and if you want to judge righteousness on my Jewishness, I was faultless. But Paul seems to hint at a limitation to our righteousness. That even if it feels better, we can follow religion and we can feel better about ourselves because we're following more closely than that guy or that gal or this neighbor or this coworker. The goodness, the righteousness was never quite enough. And for Paul, though he was talking about being Jewish, it feels like he could be talking about any religion here. For someone else, they could have claimed the same thing. The end, the destination was all the same for them, but the path was similar. It was trying to be good. And though Paul might have been taking this path and somebody was taking that path, they were all trying to get to this same destination. But the problem, the problem, Paul says, is the vehicle that we're taking. The problem problem is me the problem is you the problem is humanity we're just not quite right the problem is us now let me be clear here Christianity is born out of the Jewish law. We believe that the Jewish law is good and points to God's holiness, God's righteousness, God's standard, the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the means of following that law, what the the law actually revealed, though it was good and pointed to God's holiness, the law revealed what was true about any standard that humans try to live up to, that If the righteousness is going to be based on our activity, our obedience, every human was going to fall short because it's about our doing, our activity, our actions. It comes from us, a righteousness that we attain. And even though the law of the Old Testament was good, and even though Paul described himself as having a righteousness that was nigh unto faultless, it wasn't enough when he came face to face with real righteousness in a man named Jesus. This is how he describes it. But whatever were gains to me, in other words, whatever that you would pat me on the back for my Jewishness, for my ability to follow the law, for I could teach it, I knew it backwards and forward, I was faultless. Whatever you would pat me on the back for, whatever you would lift me up for, whatever you would put me on a pedestal store, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I'd give them away for the sake of knowing Jesus. What is more... I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider any human achievement, any human attainment, any human winning, any human righteousness completely and totally lost for the sake of Jesus. When Paul met Jesus, it totally rearranged his values. 
Everything he had gained on his own, everything he achieved on his own, he considered a loss. He had put his faith in his, himself and his ability to follow the rules, and he figured out <laughs> it wasn't enough. Um, so you remember when you were seven, eight, nine years old, maybe ten, and you did some yard work for a neighbor or you, uh, I don't know, you, you did some kind of a big thing. Maybe you, you babysat for a whole month or, or, or maybe it was your Chris, Christmas or your birthday. And like the first times at seven, eight, nine, ten years old, your grandma gave you or a neighbor gave you a $100 bill. First time you got your hands on a $100 bill. You remember that? You might have been 12. But you remember how like you're just looking at looking at that Benjamin. And you're just like, I can buy anything with this. I mean, it's so much money, a $100 bill, when you're 9 or 10 years old. But if you're an adult, you know it's like half a week's groceries, maybe. Right? Like it's a dinner out for a family of four, not at a nice, nice place, right? You probably can't even hit Outback for four people for 100 bucks. That's what Paul says his, his attainment is. Oh, he worked so hard and it looked so good and it felt like so much. It seemed like so much. It seemed like he had achieved so much, this righteousness because of his faultless obedience to the law. But it looked like a $100 bill to your parents. And they're like, sure, throw it in with the mortgage. It won't even hardly make a dent. It's nothing, Paul says, my righteousness is nothing compared to him. His new relationship with Christ is radically different than the relationship in which he was raised. In fact, he would not even call his newfound relationship with God a religion. He uses a new word, faith. Faith. Faith is the new vehicle on this road. And Paul says every other religion, including my own, including what I was raised in, the vehicle was me trying to get me to get to the destination. But this new way of life, I have my faith in someone who is already there. It's totally different. It's totally different. Uh, totally new to what he's done. It's, it's, I'm not putting my faith in what I've done. I'm putting my faith in what someone else has done. And then he says something that's like, whoa. So he says all those gains, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now, this word is a very interesting word in the original Greek language it is the only time it is used in the New Testament. It is the only time. And it's kind of a hard word to really completely describe. It would be a word you would not use in a formal conversation. It would not be a word you would use in everyday life. The best way to describe what the word means is um, food waste, muck, dung, spoiled food, animal excrement. I know this is not like, that's good, you know. I'm just telling you, it is not a word like, 
like you just you just wouldn't use this word in everyday conversation with people in everyday language if I tried to use an English word that would most properly capture what it said I'd probably get emails and have a meeting with the elders so I mean I'm serious like when every Philippian read this that Paul wrote they all went Paul Paul but it it was meant to make a point all of my achieving and attaining was garbage, muck, spoiled food, waste, dung, that I may gain Christ. And then he follows it up. And be found in him. And this is the biggie. This is the biggie. This is the biggie. This is the biggie. Not having a righteousness of my own. Would you just read that with me? Not having a righteousness of my own, not of my own, not of my own, not by what I do, not by what I achieve, not how good I am, not how righteous I can be, not of my own. That comes from the law, that comes from my obedience to rules, but that which is through what? Faith in Christ, that which is through faith in Christ, in what he has done, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. It's totally different. Paul says something entirely different happened than all the hard work he put into religion that comes through our action. The vehicle through which we attain goodness or righteousness is our obedience to laws and standards and, and morality and all that, but Paul says it's a losing game because he was as good as it gets and it looked like garbage in the face of the surpassing worth of Jesus. Faith in Christ is about righteousness that comes through Christ alone. Through Jesus, righteousness is not attained through my grit and my obedience, but through his grace and his obedience. And oh man, come on, listen, come on. This is so hard to get in America. Because we do everything by our grit, by the grind, and picking ourselves by, up by our bootstraps. It's so hard to get because this is so built into our ethos. If you will just try harder. And Paul says you can try hard all you want to. You can be faultless. And even if you're faultless, it's meant for the garbage dump compared to the righteousness that is found in Jesus Christ because here's the big difference Paul wants to see not only between Jew, his, the faith that he grew up in but by the faith of anyone of any religion this is what he says religion equals faith in me and Christianity equals faith in Jesus that's the difference that's the difference Religion is about how good I can be, how, what I can do, and all the rules I can follow. But Christianity says that we are given righteousness through what Jesus did, that we can put our faith in what we've done or we can put our faith in what Christ has done. Which one do you want to do? What I have done is rubbish, Paul says, compared to the righteousness. It is nothing, it is dirty, it is trash compared to the righteousness found in Christ. No, they're not different Roads to the same, same destination. All the roads come up short if they're built on you or they're built on me. 
religion says faith in me and Paul says the problem with it is that I am filth, I am unclean, I am dirty, I am incapable, I am wicked even on my best days as the prophet Isaiah said my good deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. I am nothing and Christianity says he is holy, Jesus is righteous, Jesus is good, Jesus is great and he gives you that righteousness. He just says it's free. It's free. You just have to put faith in me, Jesus says, and not faith in you. They're not, they're not different roads to the same destination. And then Paul closes out. says, because we're not even going to the same place. We're, we're not even trying to. Listen to how he closes it out. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and we shouldn't gloss over this. Following Jesus isn't an invitation to some kind of uh, spiritual nirvana transcendence. Jesus invites him potentially to suffering. Paul says, I, I want all in, and here's why. And so somehow, Paul says, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. There's a reason. Because the destination is unexpected. Everybody else is trying to figure out how to get on the good side in the afterlife. Everybody else is trying to figure out how to get to heaven. And they are attaining something at which they hope to arrive. And Paul says Christianity is totally different. Following Jesus is totally different. And here are the distinctives. It's pretty clear. Righteousness is received and resurrection is the reward. Every other, every other religion is about righteousness being achieved, but Christianity is about righteousness being received. And every other faith is about heaven being the reward, is about where you go after you die. And Jesus says, in me, you will never die. Though you die, you will live again in Christ the destination is different. In religion, we do right to become righteous in Christ. We are given righteous to become, righteousness to become resurrected. And when someone says, aren't they just all different roads to the same destination? I just say, no, 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 no. We're not even using the same map. And here's the deal, here's the deal. I think some people I think some people who've called themselves Christians for a long time are still here trying to drive their own life to a destination. And this is a question you struggle with every night, maybe every morning. Was I good enough today? In fact, there's, I mean, some of us come to church I can't, so I can come to church enough. Did I go to church enough? Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I praying enough? Maybe you miss small group a couple of weeks in a row. Oh, man, am I going to small group enough? 
Am I doing enough? Because your faith, because you have bought into religion over relationship. Because you have bought into achieving over receiving. And Paul's message to the Philippians is humbling but hopeful. I could never do enough. And you, you could never do enough. The whole point is not that we drive our way to being enough. The whole point is that he's enough when we're not. The whole point is that he is righteous when we're not. And you can't achieve it. You didn't, listen, listen, you didn't earn extra brownie points today by coming to church. You didn't. You can't do anything to achieve it. You could have perfect attendance for the next year and it would be rubbish. You can only receive it. And resurrection is the reward. We believe, we believe that we can be righteous. Remember when I asked that question? Are you righteous? And you're like, oh, yeah, shucks. Probably not. You put your faith in Jesus. You receive him into your life. I want to tell you something. You are righteous by the grace of God. You have, remember what Paul said? You have received a righteousness, not from yourself, but that comes through faith in him. Don't you ever look in the mirror if you are a child of God through your faith in Jesus Christ and not see a righteous son, a righteous daughter of God. You are righteous. It is received. And we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And we believe that we won't just go to heaven after we die, but that one day we'll resurrect with him in a new heaven and a new earth. But that resurrecting life doesn't have to start when you die. It can begin right now because he's not just resurrecting bones when he comes again. He's resurrecting hearts and souls in Birmingham and even throughout the whole world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for a righteousness that is not our own for this gift, God. Lord, could I could just confess that sometimes I want to try, 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 try. I want to attain, attain, attain. I want to achieve, achieve, achieve. And it's just such garbage. Even on my best days, I fall so short. 
But Lord, I'm open to receiving the righteousness of God. And I wonder just where you are, if you just, if you're watching at home or you're here in the room, if you just open your hands, place them in your lap, and just kind of, just invite you to pray this prayer in, in your heart, just to yourself. Just, Lord, I receive your righteousness. I receive it through faith in Jesus. Thank you for giving me a righteousness that I could never attain myself. And Lord, I want the resurrection. Lord, my prayer for everyone in here is that the resurrection would begin today in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.